0: Making a no-budget film? It's like going to war. But you're not General MacArthur, storming the beaches with the force of 100,000 soldiers. Instead, you're, you're more like a squad of Viet Cong guerrillas behind enemy lines, trying to complete an impossible mission using guile and your wits, the odds stacked against you. It's risky, Difficult and dangerous. I can swear to it. I've been there.
1: So on one of these Facebook groups that I follow, I saw the perfect segue into today's topic. It was an an inspiring filmmaker asking if a commercially viable film could be made for $100,000. And I thought to myself, who better to ask this question than... um, my brother in arms, my mentor, my friend, Jude Svalco. Hey. So uh, Matt can't make it today. He's got some family things going on. Yeah,
0: we don't
1: need Matt. No, but but you know we got we got Jude. He's gonna slip in. He's gonna fill in uh, the big shoes that Matt has left. <laughs> While we ask the question, so you want to be a filmmaker? So you want to be a filmmaker? <laughs> <laughs> so as we're recording this, it is literally the eve before we jump into five days of shooting. So so Jude. Like a big '80s action star. A few of them, yeah. yeah. So Jude. Um, you've been in this for how long? Well, if you count acting,
0: uh, let me do some quick math, like 26 years. If you don't count acting, like 21 years.
1: So, as someone who's been in the industry for a long time, why don't you just take us through your history, and then we'll get to the question of what your response is when you find out that someone has an interest in filmmaking. Sure.
0: Um, well, the brief history, if I can summarize Two and a half decades. Uh, I guess I, you know, I always started, I was always an entertainer since I was a child, as a lot of actors are. And then that segued into me wanting to act. And then uh, I basically did some bit parts and eventually got out to LA and and took my turn at that. And at some point I was doing other jobs as most actors mm-hmm. do because it's right. very difficult to be a working actor. And I thought, you know, instead of me working in construction or fill in the blank, why don't I try to work in production, where at least I'm close to the action? Right, and I might be able to get an acting job. So that's what I did. And I so I started low level, you know, PAing and kind of went the office route through secretary and uh, you know production coordinating and all that up onto production supervising and then eventually production managing and producing. Mm-hmm. Right, and that was right when the digital era came out. So I I sort of grew up, cut my teeth in the giant studio world, right. and then. But then I had capped myself out because it's not like they're going to hire me as a producer. So then, But then digital came out so I could produce a bunch of indies and that's where I actually learned how to do the job of producing. And now I'm caught up again and kind of straddling both worlds.
1: Right, right. When I got into filmmaking, which was is a decade now, the dawn of digital, yeah. I think I've only... Oh, the, i don't know 30 40 plus films that i've worked on or film projects i've worked on i've only done one film with you actually that had film yeah. That was a super 16 film called donner pass yeah. so let's say i'm a 20 something year old and i'm coming to you and i'm saying i, I want to be a filmmaker yeah what is your what is your initial response my initial response is don't
0: do it <laughs> <laughs> if you want uh Busted relationships and uh, no sleep and bad for your health and you know bad food and long hours and all that stuff. Then it's the right job for you. But but that that aside, in all seriousness, it is an extremely taxing job that is not for everyone. And um, I think most people don't know that because they see, unfortunately. Our business is under the microscope more than any other business because of the media and just because of the very nature of the business. So you see...
1: Well, there's a story behind Hollywood, right? There's an allure.
0: Exactly. And then you have like the new era and you have the uh, Robert Rodriguez's and the Tarantino's and the Michael Bay. Which is like
1: the, the era minus Michael Bay that inspired me to be a filmmaker.
0: Exactly. So that seems on the outside, you know very fantastic and amazing and i could make these cool things and be the coolest kid in the room and work with these celebrities and make tons of money and right. all that stuff but that's not the reality i mean that is a, that's a reality for a very f- uh few individuals sure but that's like basing your acting career on on brad pitt's life like that he's the exception rule. Right. of course and even you know people always talk about people getting famous overnight they're only famous overnight because you haven't heard of them
1: Right, because okay. most, most of these people are like 30-year overnight sensations. <laughs>
0: exactly, 30-year overnight sensations, most of them are. And then, you know, you can go back and see them. If it's an actor, they did a, you know, a gum commercial 25 years ago right. or whatever.
1: Well, famously, um, have you ever seen the movie Less Than Zero?
0: Yeah, Less Than Zero. Right,
1: so Brad Pitt's an extra on that. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's un, un- uncredited <laughs> yeah. guy at party.
0: Yeah, exactly. So people don't see all the work and the hardships. And the biggest thing in our industry, whether you're an actor or any part of any sort of creative is rejection right. and, and on top of that it's just um most people in our business are freelance which is extremely difficult yep. as you know yep. um you, you work paycheck to paycheck and it, and if you have a family or kids or all any of that god forbid it makes it exponentially harder to do mm-hmm. so it's just one of those things that seems really great and, and it is great don't get me wrong it is great but it, it's not for everybody and i think people find that out um right away
1: sure well there's for me for me the thing that always was fascinating about independent film specifically independent film and and not just hollywood studio movies was that it felt a little bit like a traveling circus yeah like when i came up and when i was inspired even before i knew what that inspiration was leading to which is to be a filmmaker you know uh i was hitting my teenage years right as as tarantino came out with reservoir dogs and especially Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Rodriguez had. Uh, I didn't see Mariachi when it first came out, but I definitely saw Desperado. Yeah. Um, Swingers was a huge uh, influence. Yeah, Still is actually. John yeah, yeah. Uh, who was just Four the writer? Five. Who was just the writer? Yeah, you did just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who who was just the writer? In fact, wasn't even allowed to direct his own film. Right. Um. It, Doug Liman came in. Oh yeah. And said uh, they they were trying to get Doug Liman to be a producer, mm. and he said, well. You guys don't know what you're doing, so I'll produce it if I can also direct it. Yeah. And here's the deal. You have just enough money to make a really good-looking student film right. or a really shitty-looking studio film. Yeah. And so I remember when I saw that interview thinking, like, for that being I- embedded in my brain that would that would resurface years later, which is lean into your strengths and hide your weaknesses, yeah. right? And I think that's yeah. a lot of what independent filmmaking is. And, I, and, sure. and mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly, that's what is the the driving interest for me still 10 years yeah. I have been I got my first pay doing it um, maybe eight years nine years ago yeah and I've been actually making a living doing it where I could pay my bills yeah. for about six years right <laughs> so, and I and I think that I'm just getting to the point where I yeah. kind of know what I'm doing right, right, right. it takes a long time and, and I'm yeah, I'm great. starting to look at where I will be in another ten years and maybe feeling like, okay, yeah, I could really legitimately comfortably call myself a producer, right. <laughs> even though I've been calling myself that for what three or four years now.
0: Yeah.
1: So um, I don't know what your having done it for so long, what how do you still feel about it? Well,
0: it's it's one of those things where again it's not for everybody, but for those of you that it is for. There, you can't do anything else. Like, right. Like, my wife sometimes asks me that. She's like, what well, if the, the industry dies tomorrow? What are you going to do? And I simply say, nothing. I have no idea. I, right. I have no desire to Podcast. do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll just sit in a corner and write. Like, yeah, right. Peter Allan Poe until I die or something. Like, yeah. I, I have no desire to do any other thing. Um, and although, you know, as a... All the fill in the blank things I do, actor, writer, producer, director, etc. I I have lots of real world world skills, but I just never would want to do those in a real world setting. Like yeah. I just can't picture it anymore. Um, so, but uh, so I know now where I'm at in the business. I look back and I see a lot of people that tried it from the beginning and they were very passionate and hungry in the beginning. Right. And a lot of them fell out. And you know, me and my buddy. Nate, who's a location manager, we call set those, deck Johnny. Set deck Johnny. We we call those um, tile salesmen because one of our mutual friends, you know, tried to make it in the business and ended up selling tile. And there's just like, <laughs> probably makes
1: way more money than us. Oh, well,
0: absolutely. I'm sure he lives like a king and has a great life and a great quality of life. But um, but uh, yeah. So so a lot of people figure out right away. You know, just because you hear about it all the time, the hours are crazy.
1: Um, well, let's let's just talk about that. Let's just yeah. take us just let's just take this last week for you. Yeah. A slice of life because in this week alone, I think <laughs> this week more than any other week really really sums up your life now. <laughs> yeah. Because exactly. in in this past week, you've played the role on various projects, not even the same project.
0: Yeah.
1: As writer, yeah. Director. Yes. Uh, producer. Yeah. And a first assistant director. Yes. So an just actor. right, an actor. So just <laughs> yeah, that's right. So just. So, what does this week look like for you? So,
0: this week, uh, you know, I just, I went back and forth to Thailand like two times, I think, right. last month, maybe three times, um, from here to here in L.A. Um, and so, for this week, of course, we're, we're picking up and shooting the second half of a movie we shot before Christmas. Right. So were, the first were, aid, and, yeah. The first day doing that, and I'm acting, I have an acting role in that as well. i SAG actor. And I'm directing the film, so... Uh, in thailand in february so i had to do a about a you know 60 percent rewrite of that script to right get where i wanted it to be in order for me to direct it and i'm casting and i'm trying to i'm also producing that and right crew i'm finding locations all the whole thing now i'm doing that remotely because i'm not in thailand now um so yeah and then and on top of that just sitting on a plane like this last plane trip was 30 hours from curb to curb wow I had a huge oh yeah that's right Japan, in Japan, so. right? it's at normally at least 24 so that's it man you know it's like your laptop's always open you're always running right right and like like today you and i were talking about a schedule in this film and i was like <laughs> for
1: the hey. how many how many times <laughs>
0: yeah and i was like uh i was like hey man i got three schedules in my head right now oh yeah so i was also scheduled another movie right a, a pending you know nick cage movie that might be shooting so that took forever to schedule that because uh, that's a studio project. So I had to make sure it was like super detailed and oriented right. and all that. So yeah, it's just it's just stop. But but I love it because you know if I'm at home and none of that stuff is happening, you know I I get sort of like down and and like I need to find something to do. The luck the good thing about that is on that rare occasion I'm usually trying to write another script right. or, or at least thinking of the next project or. And I think
1: that's one thing that a lot of aspiring filmmakers might need to know, which is that your yeah. your freelance experience, your freelance um, lifestyle is a business. You, it is a business of you. It's it is. And it's and and I learned the hard way through years of just thinking hard work alone was enough. Right. That you can you can pop your head up one day, three or four years online, and realize you know four people. <laughs> yeah. That's and that's true. awesome if those four people will get you work, yeah. but a lot of times they won't. It's true. So, it very much is um, creating some defining characteristics that I, that that you identify with, and that other people recognize in you, yeah. and hopefully, it leaves a good impression that they keep bringing you back and calling you i mean right after this shoot that we're doing which is our 16th film together <laughs> nice. in some capacity <laughs> yeah starting from when i was paing for you yeah. and you were line producer for me and yeah. everything in between flip, flip, flip back and forth
0: and like persistence is also the name of the game and and not in the creepy stalker way but, <laughs> but kind of like you you do have to like research you have to know who's relevant you have to stay you know the business is changing so much and who's kind of like you know like of course now Netflix is the king of the world right but that it wasn't that way even three years ago um, so you have to stay relevant um, and you got to push yourself and you got to keep following up with people but also but also I will tell you on the other end of it like if you, if you're somebody with a business major and you from Harvard and you graduated magna cum laude and your resume comes in my inbox and even to be a PA And somebody gives me a resume and they've, you know, been a set PA twice, I'll hire the set PA guy. Of course, because they know what they're doing. So that's a big part of it. You have to understand that in our business, experience is worth way more than anything on paper, whether that be your education or your business orientation or even your background. It's all about getting experience, which leads me to, you know, sort of our topic. You want to be a filmmaker, you know. Do whatever you can. I always advise this. Doesn't matter, especially when you're starting out. So, do you know? Do a school play. Do some theater. Do some uh, shorts with your buddies. Like keep keep yeah. working constantly until you get on your feet enough to where you know enough people and enough people recommending you to start getting real jobs. But don't sit back and wait. You know, for uh, Jerry Bruckheimer to call you to come right. work for you because it's never never gonna happen that. I mean, yeah. there's no shame. In the long term game. Like, I've been at it forever, and I still sometimes wonder, like, damn, how am I going to pay, make my truck payment? I got right. two kids to feed. Like, that, all, that's always there. So, know if you're getting into this business as a freelance, um, which, you know, 95% of us are freelance, right. do not work full time for studios. Or and and if you do, you might go back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and that's always there. It's just part of the game, you know, but, but, if you're passionate about it, you'll make it work. You'll always make it work, and it always it always end, ends up working out in the end. But it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of ups and downs. It's a lot of uh, potential, like, what the hell yeah. am I going to do next, and what am I doing with my life, and all that kind of stuff.
1: Well, And I, and I think that you and I had a similar, probably because I was influenced by you largely, but mm-hmm. had a similar sort of um, introduction into the film industry. Yeah. It, it, from the standpoint that you wanted to be an actor, yeah, and you were like, "Well, I'll pay my bills doing production, or right. whatever," yeah. and I wanted to be a director,
0: right.
1: And I said, "If I learn everything, yeah, then I'll learn how to be a director." Which and one, because by the time I had met you, I think you were putting some favors to help a friend, yeah, you know. And I was like, "Oh, well, he, this guy's got years of experience in contacts, yeah." And he can, he can recognize maybe some potential in a young whippersnapper from Texas and <laughs> yeah. fly him out to California and teach him how to do it. But, um, yeah. you know, when I started, I taught myself how to edit yep. I, and I'm not a tech savvy person. Right. Like the fact that I'm able to run this podcast even <laughs> remotely <laughs> is a new, uh, skill that I've learned, yeah. but I taught myself how to edit. Yeah. I, I wrote my own shorts. Right. I camera operated a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, I took an acting course, theater acting. Um, yeah. I did an audition where I played a werefish. A werefish? A werefish. Oh. It was a few <laughs> years back. Uh, uh, and I always make this joke that if I ever do hit that level where I'm like on a, you know, yeah. Jimmy Fallon or something, they're, yeah. they're, this clip will resurface. <laughs> Someone has it. Right. But I, I, when I first moved to California, I realized I never had any interest in acting. Yeah. I always liked being behind the camera. I like storytelling, but not necessarily performance. And, yeah. um, but I figured, I how can you work in an industry without knowing with actors without knowing what an audition feels uh, like, absolutely. right? Which I mean, you've been on a billion yeah, 100%. of them. So, Fangoria was doing some shorts, and they put out an ad, and they just took it for free actors. And I said, great, they'll they'll take my audition at least. Yeah. You know. Exactly. And uh, the the bit was that I was supposed to show up for a date knock on the door, try to get in, look like I'm a little bit of a, a um, a lecherous person. And then the moon comes out and I turn into gag, where fish, not <laughs> werewolf. And so I just went for it. Right. I just like <laughs> dropped on the ground, started flopping around. Just, I'm sure it was God awful. I didn't get the part. Uh, thankfully, nice. but, um, if you were a court fish would have got, got, got it. Cause he's a natural. <laughs> if anyone knows how to swim upstream, it's <laughs> yeah. the court fish. Yeah. But, um, I, I think that, the main you know if this core theme is you want to be a filmmaker do everything do everything it doesn't matter yeah. what part of filmmaking you want to be a part of yeah absolutely film yeah. school i didn't go to it you didn't go to it it's it's yeah. um as a, as an, as an as a older person now as a person pushing 40 yeah the idea of going to a film school sounds fucking awesome yeah. like now <laughs> yeah like if i could take a year off and go to film school and just learn film study it sounds awesome <laughs> right but um yeah and not to knock anyone who's going to film school because yeah. listen yo, there's there's a that's a different path and, and some people find success in it but yeah. like you said yeah. at the end of the day uh you yeah. will take the risk on someone with a little bit more set practical experience yeah than you will the person who comes from a classroom setting.
0: That goes for film school as well. And, and, and people ask, this is probably the number one question people ask me all the time uh, when I talk about this, is what do I think about film school? And I will tell you that I wouldn't do it. Um, simply because a year's worth of experience in the field is mm-hmm. worth five years in a film school. It is great. They're teaching you theory, and they're teaching you lighting, and they're teaching you... Uh, blocking and storyboarding and all that kind of stuff and that's great because those are skills you will need to have but they're not gonna get you a job on a film set and I will honestly tell you when I'm producing something if I look at a resume and I see you you're from a film school and you don't have any actual real film experience then I will not hire you because so, someone's put it in your brain already that you you think you know shit about shit and I know that you don't know shit about shit. Well,
1: that was probably the first lesson <laughs> that I learned from you, right? Which is that you don't know shit about shit. And, and yeah, so,
0: so this brings up a couple of good points. One, humility. No matter who you are in this business, we'll get into that later, but even people like my idol Tim Burton have to eat a little bit of humble pie every sure. once in a while. So never lose that. That's one point I want to make here. Two... When I when I talk shit about film school, <laughs> uh, I'd like to caveat that is you know if you're in film school right now listening to this, don't go hang yourself because you'll get connections there and you will learn a lot. Hundred percent. I am just telling you that if I had a choice, knowing everything I know now, I would not t- go down that path. So if you're if you're on the fence about it, I would tell you go get a PA job and skip the film school. It'll save you the headache and save you a shit ton of money.
1: If you want to be a blacksmith, you didn't just go to blacksmith school. You found an apprentice who was willing to take you on and you you worked... Sweeping the coal or uh, yeah. whatever off the exactly. ground and then right. he you know eventually became a journeyman and eventually became a master And that was just the progression and it might have taken you a lifetime Yeah, to well, get it should. just yeah. like any other career right just like any other you career fly
0: 747s overnight, right you start on simulators and you don't
1: And if you're flying Cessnas, you don't say that you can fly a 747 exactly. That's the biggest thing. unless you think you actually can pull it off right. That being said, I think the more ideal path I think the more ideal path for you know aspiring filmmakers would be to spend a year or two on set yeah especially true. when you're young and you're living at home and home you've range. got the yeah. the luxury of not having yeah. to pay rent right. go spend a couple years yeah. I remember my first my my the, the my first year of being a freelance filmmaker because I yeah. like I said I dabbled I'd done short films and and I'd taken acting classes and I consider myself a filmmaker during that time yeah. because I was creating right? right but I remember the first year four years 2010. Nine years now, where I um, had no other income but that yeah. for for most of the year,
0: yeah.
1: and I had I set a goal to work on ten films, mm-hmm. or ten film projects, whatever it didn't matter. if was a commercial, yeah. series, pilot, yeah. wannabe, short, whatever it didn't matter. Yeah. Just ten, get yeah. them under my belt, and then I would feel confident right. submitting my work to people who might actually pay me. Yeah. And um, I think if you spend a year getting some of that experience under your belt, and it doesn't matter what field. Yeah. Like, just get on set because you and I know that your average day is yeah. probably 14 hours if you're lucky. Yeah. You know? Right. If you're a crew member and an average crew day is 12 hours, yeah. you factor in lunch, Yeah. you factor in getting there early for breakfast. If you're lucky enough to have breakfast, yeah. and then your wrap-out, it's a 14-hour day. Yeah. Easy. Every day. That's just, yeah. just punching clock.
0: That's pretty standard.
1: And if you're production add to at least 2 hours to that at least yeah so um and if you're directing then add
0: 24 to that yeah you, you never you never stop it, never it.
1: so you do that first see if you even like it see even if it's if it's even worth the headache yeah. cuz you'll know after the first one I, or two
0: you will totally that's a that's some good advice yeah
1: and then then maybe go to film school. Then maybe see if you. Then you. It's never hurt. It never hurts to get theory and education, and yeah. and especially if you want to go into more of a technical field as well. Right.
0: Yeah. True. Um, it's funny because when I first started uh, in the in the business, other than acting, like getting paid jobs, um, I was working out of San Francisco, and um, we would get like you know the B unit or, or or a week of LA shoots up there and stuff. It wasn't a lot of long term stuff, and. Uh, I remember the calls would come in to me because I was known as reliable. So mm-hmm. I would always show up early and I would stay the whole day and I would never call in with excuses and kill my uncle, which I always say PAs always kill their uncle. and too I say, ma- too don't, many times. Don't kill your uncle in the first week because right. you still have a whole, you know, three, four weeks to go. So yeah, right that uncle, kill him at the end. I mean, my <laughs> uncle died. Sorry, I got to go. They always say that. Um, <laughs> but the, the call would come in like this and be like, hey, Jude, we hear you're great. Um, we need a key grip. And I would be like, yeah, but I, I've never gripped before. And they're like, yeah, but we need a key grip on this shoot. And I was like, okay. And they're like, you down? And I'm like, yeah, I'm down. So then I would go, and then I would not know what I was doing. Right. I would just know the basics, and then. But I, I learned a shit ton on the fly under very stressful circumstances. Which is when you learn the most. Yeah, because I would be on a shoot, and and somebody might be like, we need you know ten cardellinis and some gobo heads and a blah blah blah, and I'd be like, what the fuck is that? And then I yeah. I go ask somebody what's card- Maybe like it's that thing that looks like let's see, go grab that, and then I figured it out eventually, right. and that would happen all the time, and I, and I did that for probably a year or two, um, just as you know, I was for all intents and purposes nothing. I was a gopher, a PA, right? But I was learning all this stuff because I was thrown in all these situations, um, and and I kept learning. And back to to your former point of know as much as you can. Of course, in our technical world, it's really hard to know. Sure you know there's so much technology and it's changing and there's rapidly thousands of programs and cameras are coming out every day and add-ons and blah 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 but you can learn the basics of what most people do on set and 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 anything you do on set if you have an opportunity to do it no matter what it is one of my first jobs was an editorial pa where i was shuttling you know uh, beta tapes back and forth right but i learned stuff on there and and the point is if you if you can either do that job or sit with someone doing that job, you will
1: learn stuff that applies to all aspects of of 100%. the
0: of the field.
1: At very minimum, you understand set culture, yeah. which is massive. Yeah, exactly. Massive. If
0: you if you want to direct, a lot of people say, "Yeah, I want to direct," because of course that's one of the positions that gets in the limelight all the time. Um, but if you want to really direct, I strongly suggest you do some acting first yep. because you cannot properly direct actors until you've done some acting or at least been in their position and know what it's like, uh, w- where their brain goes uh, on the set and what their what their method is because, you know, we joke and say they're meat puppets, but... The <laughs> but
1: <laughs> I mean, they, they can't chew gum and walk the <laughs> They sometimes. can't. We need a stump person for that. <laughs> right.
0: They, right. But the reality is that is a very specific process, and they some of them get I- extremely intense into it. And until you understand that, if you're just saying, you know, remember your fucking lines, or I told you the blocking already, like that's not gonna, you can't get but someone to emote doing that. One hundred percent. Most of the uh, most of it's most of it's about uh, most of it's about uh, people management and personality management and understanding where people are coming from and hearing them out, even if you feel like. Uh, you know, something they're saying is, is not important or incidental or whatever, but then really getting in their shoes for a moment and being like, okay, let, let me explain it to you this way. And then right. having a little bit of compassion for them uh, in the moment to a point you know uh, sure. it's not interfering with your job but if it just means like hearing someone out and being like okay i have a solution for
1: you our job is like all about solutions right just to tie it back to our theme like if you want to be a filmmaker you have to you No, know, it doesn't matter what position you're doing yeah you have to learn that if you want to be a, a, a director of photography yeah oh, you're yeah, gonna have absolutely. you're gonna have production asking you one thing you're yeah. gonna have the ad asking you another thing yeah and you've got to have your director asking you another thing and then you're gonna have your own in, in uh, artistic yeah. integrity right telling you something yeah. and how do you balance those things if you're a writer the same thing yeah. you know yeah. and and um, I think that's a big that's a big component of being in, in the film world yeah. is learning that balance of sticking to your guns, Right. sometimes your artistic guns, sometimes your egotistical guns, yeah, yeah. and and when to compromise yeah. and when to gracefully yeah.
0: say no. And also being able to play nice with others. We, everyone knows the situation. Everyone gets on a film and they're like, oh, shit, we don't have any money for this. We don't have time. This is impossible. Yes, we all know that. We've, right. we've, been, we've done this a hundred times before. Right. You don't have to keep reiterating that and
1: and belaboring the point
0: yeah the point is making it's taken now let's find some solutions for it and those people that are like okay cool well let's try this those people that keep working because that's it's like that it doesn't matter if you're on you know a thousand dollar shoot or two hundred million dollar shoot it's, it's always the same you right? Know, it, there's never enough time and money it doesn't matter right. it's just the way I've never
1: I've never done a film with t- enough time I, and I money I have either. even the
0: huge ones it's it's a lost art is what it is
1: it is and so i, I mean because i know you I know, I know you sort of lamented the rise of yeah. digital mm-hmm. and in um AKA the
0: death of film as we know i'm just kidding
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean to your point as a coming up coordinator in the studio world yeah. would you have been given access to to move forward as a producer um, without digital, uh, right? Right, I wouldn't have. No. Right, and and certainly myself, who yeah. only came in at really at the at the end of uh, film, yeah, and and have most of my projects been digital, yeah. For my my film progression to uh, move at the rate that it has, which is admittedly probably faster than most, yeah. Um, again, only created in this world where anyone can create content, right? 'Cause you work you can work on any project and learn. You can. That being said. <laughs> <laughs> there's also the problem is that you anyone can create content yeah. and and not have gone not have the wherewithal to learn right. what right. not to do.
0: Right. So be the bigger person and take that opportunity to learn. Like you're there right. to learn. Don't don't be on Movie Set Mims the whole time. Right. Saying what's wrong with a shitty independent production. Because we all know what's wrong with a shitty independent Spend that time to make that production better and right. do your job better and make a few contacts so they call you back again.
1: Case right. in point, yeah. when we met, I, I was your PA. <laughs> yeah. And then, I don't know, we've done about what, seven or eight films where I was in the EP and yeah. you were the line producer. Exactly, right. Right? You right. know, there were two producers on that film there was you, yeah. and we've had now a uh, nine year friendship. Yeah. And there was uh, Baby Gap. <laughs> that's that's the nickname that we've given this particular producer who remained unnamed, unnamed. Who you'll was you'll know a, him when you see him. Yeah, who looks like a a mixture of like if Charlie Brown <laughs> shopped exclusively at Baby Gap yeah. after a trip to the uh, all you can eat buffet in <laughs> Vegas, yeah. and um yeah. that guy was a dick. yeah think like I was like a complete prick. He looked like a dick, too. He, he was. Yeah, he, he was actually he physically, a, looked physically looked like, like a penis, a, yeah. A
0: dick and a baby after. <laughs>
1: it's like a
0: dick and a box, but different.
1: I, I've told the story a bunch, and you've heard it a bunch, probably getting sick of tired hearing it, but when when uh, on the very first film that, that Jude and I worked on, I walked in and just said, hey, I, I'm interested in film. I've done a couple of small, short things. Uh, I'll work for free. Yeah. But would you guys take me on? Yeah. And, of course, free help is always welcomed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I jumped on board, but I, I was pretty i was hitting hard luck man I, I hadn't done much and i remember it was one point where i, I literally knew that i could maybe get myself home but i was i did not have enough fuel to get back to set the next day and we were like halfway through the shoot yeah. i was like i was just trying to figure it out like how am i gonna like do i have some change into my couch like what can i do because yeah. I, I don't have a way to get to set and I don't know anyone really. Yeah. And um on that very day you pulled me aside. It was a it was a shitty rainy day in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Where I'm pretty sure someone got electrocuted. Oh yeah, they did. And my car got dented, but not yet. Yeah, he did survive. Um and uh you gave me a hundred dollar bills. Yeah. And just out of your own pocket. And you're just like, Hey man, you've been busting your ass. I know you're not getting paid nothing. Yeah. Thank thank you. Yeah. And I I remember that. And if I if I wasn't so desperate for money, I might have saved it. <laughs> but I spent it immediately. Put fuel in my car, and I finished He's the shoot. And well spent.
0: Okay, on porn and whiskey.
1: That's and fuel, <laughs> <laughs> all from the same shop. And um, you know, but th- but those are the kind of moments yeah. that that if if you decide to enter in this crazy lifestyle that we live, um, those are the kind of moments that will. Lead to something potentially, yeah. you know. Yeah, and and I've had
0: I've been on the receiving end of those moments, so it's kind of like yeah, yeah, like you people give to you, you receive and all that and stuff, and and you, and then you pass the torch to the next right. generation. It's I'm, I'm like, still that. trying to find the torch to pass. <laughs> yeah.
1: I haven't quite found it yet, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. um It is, but but they're also to that point there are a lot of awesome
0: people in this business, and and here's what I found, and me also being this person, I look like Gandalf. <laughs> uh, or Dumbledore. Literally. So, well,
1: either one, really. So uh,
0: there's a lot of people, myself included, that want to. We have all this information and knowledge and years of experience that we want to download to to, to people that are interested. But what always happens is people get so excited and they're like, I want to be in the film business. And then we are like, all right, your call time's blah, blah, blah. And then they show up 30 minutes late and like, ah, you know that my cat got a uh, right. hairball line, blah, 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 traffic. It's fucking LA, of course, of traffic. Get used to it. So all this stuff happens. And and by the end of the first week or two, it's just excuse after excuse after excuse, and and that's fine. If you if you're not cut out for this business, that's fine. No shame. It's you're, hard. You're probably going to be more successful than me. You're probably going to be Elon Musk or something. Right. And I'm still going to be making little independent films, and that's cool. But but if you want to be in film business, um, those people, those mentors are here for you. There's right. So many every. Time and they want to. To set, Yeah, there's people and they just want to, but they're so burnt out of people just like saying they're down. And the minute there's a a tiny bit of hardship or you have to put in a little bit of work to learn something, they're out. They're like, forget it. This is too much for me. So know that going in. There's a a ton of knowledge, awesome people. Go to any Q&A on any fucking film and Mm -hmm. you hear people say amazing things that just inspire you right. and, and they're ready to give you that knowledge.
1: And, I, and I've been very lucky that um, aside from you, you know, I, I've been able to learn under Effie Brown, who, yeah. who famously worked on Project Greenlight yeah. and told Matt Damon under no uncertain terms yeah. that he was full of shit. Yeah, that was great. Well-deserved. Um, duly noted. Duly noted. Um, I, I've got an opportunity to work with Don Dunn, the mm. old Valley Fox. The Valley Fox. Another, another OG independent yeah. filmmaker who knows all the tricks of the trade exactly. and is not a, afraid to tell you when you fucked up. Yeah. And, but also recognizes and appreciate, um, mm-hmm. initiative. Yes. Um, you know, and, and without, and Gary Binko, the Gary Binks, Binks. you know, producer of Finding Neverland. I, I remember telling someone on the set, um, you know, I've done everything that I can yeah. to, to be an asset to this company yeah. or to the show. Yeah. Um. If the powers that be, i.e., Gary Binko, yeah. uh, appreciates that, right. then it'll go. It something will happen. Yeah, and and sure enough, no no more than I think two weeks after I'd gone, he was like, yeah. he's like, I might have an in house thing, yeah. you know. And I was with his company for five years. And if you want to be a filmmaker, get your ass on set because there are people with years yeah. of experience who actually do want to share that. Because yeah. aside from the fact that I think it might be something that's sort of embedded in our character. Yeah. Um, it benefits us yeah. because a lot of people i think come in and they just expect success
0: that's it that's that's a that's a product of the digital world of just seeing only seeing success stories and never seeing the you know 20year careers that go into that but
1: there's value in the in the journey there's that
0: that is the value right it's the
1: most value is in the journey it's not about where you're going it's about getting there I mean, most of us are never going to have a house in the Hollywood Hills. Anyone who, Most of us won't make it to Los Angeles and be able to pay and live. For those of us who live in Los Angeles, we know how expensive it is. So if you want to do this, you have to really enjoy every step of the process, every hardship. Wake up every morning, accept that everything that's about to happen is your fault. (laughs) And if you can go to work with that responsibility on your shoulders, with yeah. that with that guilt, shame, and fear, right. then you're cut out for this. We're doing it right. If for anyone who's keeping track, you want to be a filmmaker, yeah. you gotta be able to roll with the punches. You gotta and, roll with the punches. And you gotta accept that it sucks. Yeah. It great. doesn't suck. I mean it, it it's gratifying. But in that moment
0: Those are the things it sucks. <laughs> it sucks in the moment. But those are the things that you crave for. Those are the those are the reasons why when you're at home the right. for those couple weeks with no work and you're yeah. like shit, I need the adrenaline rush. Like, yeah, I need my that's break. it. It's extremely rewarding. And it's extremely tough and difficult and hard, and it'll ruin your life, but it's so rewarding to see the finished product. And I always say this, like, a lot of times stuff happens, you know, there's union strikes and flips in the middle of the shoot. There, you know, the catering shows up an hour late and it's cold and, or, or whatever. Or, or, or doesn't meeting. show up at all. <laughs> yeah, there's a million scenarios that just seem like hell or you got eight pages left, and you're and you're only two hours left, and you know you're going to shoot all night till the sun comes up, and then you continue shooting when the sun comes up. All that stuff is horrible, but in the end, when you see that, when you go to the premiere, or you or you see that cut or whatever, you're like, man. Or you go even the wrap party. Just right. a few days later, everyone forgets all the bullshit for the right. most part. And They're just like, man, we did it. We made it. We we conquered that hill. We put our flag in the top, and we'll have something to show for it. And we all did it together. And right. that's That's a
1: bond that is, like, to balance all the logistical nightmares, all the physical labor, all the sweat, blood, and tears, sometimes very literally. Yeah. And get to that end game where you're, like, oh, hey, let's have a group photo. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know you've done something that other people just can't do. Right. You know, people complain about an eight-hour day, and you just laugh. Yeah, at the end and of the day, I, the budgets are getting smaller because the buying is getting smaller. So yeah, it, it gets increasingly hard to do what we do. Yeah, on all the aspects.
0: Shrinking constantly.
1: Shrinking, even on you know, if you're not making a Marvel film, it is absolutely getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So yeah. uh, to turn a phrase, but you got to be one of the few, the proud and, and the brave, you know, <laughs> yeah. to get in there and to and to get your hands dirty and to do something that yeah. can result in a tiny, tiny name and title in the back end credits that most people skip through. Yeah. But you'll know what you accomplished. Exactly. You'll know where you were during every scene of that film that other people enjoy yeah. and uh, take a moment out of their hard lives to just un- you know relax and watch. We got a couple of questions from our listeners. So our first uh, series of questions is going to come from one of our listeners, uh, David Andrew Lee Venerable. Yeah, he's venerable. <laughs> is there a film, or maybe there's multiple films, that led you to shift in your perspective of the medium from... A form of entertainment to uh, a passion and a career path hmm interesting
0: um for me i would say yes and no like um for me i always had that i was always enamored with the idea of film always because i come from georgia and there was hardly any film although i saw uh the night that the lights went out of georgia being made with mark hamill and christian nice. Nickel, and that kind of sparked my interest um because I, I was like six years old i think and uh and that was after Star Wars, but Mark Hamill wasn't that famous yet, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a whole nother podcast. But uh, anyways, that, that uh, just seeing that equipment and the magic and all these people, fascinating to look at. And then, so even to this day when I'm in L.A. and I drive past the film set, I'm like, man, that's like, right. it's, it's always like, What's going on? I should be there. Like right. Who's there? What actors are there? Well, that's what, what are they shooting.
1: When you're not on it, that's when, when you not. when you know there's a little bit of a, a passion that's still there. Right. Like,
0: like I need to get on that set. Who's there? Um. So, but I I just kind of went straight into it um, career wise. But I guess if it's if it's influenced in my young years, it would be all the Schwarzenegger movies. Like, right. He was huge back then, and Terminator. He's huge of, now.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Literally. Yes.
0: Those uh, summers when, you know, Tim Burton's Batman came out and then fucking Cameron's Terminator 2 came out. It was like the movies of the right. summer and it was huge and it was influential and, and that got me. Then in my later years, of course, if you're talking aesthetic and all, it'd be Tim Burton, of course. Sure. For me, all his I love all his films and I his creative
1: senses is where I would like to be as a director or something. Right. Well, for me, um, certainly Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Um, certainly John Favreau with Swingers. Certainly Quentin Tarantino, of course. Those movies were cool. Yeah. And um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate older, more classic films. But those films, yeah. those were those were films that were cool. Um, Smash and Pumpkins tonight, tonight. Oh. That music video when I grew up was right at the rise of music videos. Yeah, real art, you know, artistry in music videos, and yeah. where a lot of would be famous directors, like David Fincher, uh, Spike yeah. Jones, uh, you know. Um, yeah. They all came from this world. <laughs> Second question from David. In your opinion, has the apparent dispense of the medium budget film as a witness in the 80s and 90s independent scene in preference of tent poles and prestige picks made it more difficult for one to raise funding? Or is that uh, counteracted by modern crowdsourcing?
0: <sighs> Let me say
1: this once. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Finding money for your film is the hardest motherfucking thing to do. I don't care if it's fifty dollars, fifty thousand, five hundred, or five hundred million. So to answer your question, yes, it has. Funding is extremely difficult, and I I honestly I think the the percent of successful crowdfunding movies is probably like one percent. It's something ridiculous. Yeah, most of it's pretty low. Most of it, I mean, it's just it's just impossible. Um, The way I got funding for my couple of films that i directed is i put in a couple decades in the business Mm -hmm. i called in a bunch of favors Mm -hmm. i was a professional and courteous with people and i showed them up front the the 90 percentile chance that they were going to lose their money but the potential that they might get it back and i was real with them and that's how I got the little funding. And I think what happens is, if you do that, you prove yourself on a couple of films. Your your budgets will start going up. Right. Exactly. Basically. But yes, I don't think crowdfunding works, and I think tent poles are.
1: Well, the pro- the problem that I have found because you know everyone got really excited with the idea of of crowdfunding, and I think that it can work on some very small scale things. Yeah. I think that you can find people who are support your art.
0: Yeah.
1: On a small scale. Yeah. But. Right. The, just the the sheer cost yeah. of making a film is high and for every success story, for every paranormal activity that you heard was made for $15,000, right. it wasn't made for $15,000 yeah. because right. people didn't get paid. Yeah. They didn't get paid a, a livable wage. They didn't yeah. get paid for their work. They right. didn't Someone sacrificed yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. To make that,
0: and eventually a studio put in a five hundred thousand dollars media budget, or or more, <laughs> print and advertising, so right, right,
1: that's so, also there. So, so you have to sort of factor those things in that um, it is there's just there's just a numbers game. The numbers don't lie. Yeah,
0: I mean it's like there's just so much content out there, and let's face it, if you're paying fifteen bucks bucks a month or whatever it is for Netflix, and you can watch a hundred movies, you know those movies all cost money to make, right. Um, and and most of our movies us talking and listening to this right here aren't even yet our movie on Netflix right so that even that is a brass ring that's extremely hard that's to true. Get. Yeah um uh and and then people own movies on digital downloads for 3 bucks and then the the rest of the world pirates it so it's like a, it's a difficult thing so i would say don't go into it fooling yourself thinking you're going to make money because it's like gambling it's it's like it's like it's like Las Vegas like the house has the odds, and it always has the odds, and it always it always will have the odds. Um, so so probably there's an 80% chance you're going to lose your money, if not more. Right. But be upfront about that and know that going in, and don't mortgage your home. You know, you also hear those stories. Francis Ford Coppola and Apocalypse Now, and Steven Spielberg and Jaws, and blah, blah blah. But yeah, that's the small percent. Too. Right. again, you got to realize that you only hear about the success stories. Right. You don't hear about ten. I, I actually know a few people that had to mortgage their house and lost their house on movies. Yeah. Richard Elfman has a story about that that he tells about losing his house on his on Forbidden Zone too. Right. So. That happens all the time. So that's that's the reality of filmmaking. So don't put yourself in that situation. Don't put your family in a situation. Yeah, Make two? movies because you're passionate.
1: So question one from Jawa Panda is, who is the number one director that you would love to have a chance to work with? Tim. <laughs> <laughs> that one's obvious yeah. um but I, I I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a different route yeah and I would say the number one director that I would love to work with yeah. is S. Walker oh my god because because That's so sweet. because I know what your potential is and if I can help add to that success to me that is more valuable than than whatever position I am working for someone who's already established I'd rather help build people up who will be that next generation that. and make that next level work then I would just work for someone who's already established That's so I can I take an take a fucking Instagram photo and be like, oh look I met. he's, he's working
0: his way into the <laughs> <speech right now. laughs> Thank you. That's this very is, cool.
1: That's uh, I mean it, I mean it. Uh, question two from Java Panda. Java panda? Like uh, a coffee panda? No like Jawa like from Star oh, Wars. Oh like Jawa
0: Panda. That would be yeah. so cute. Yeah.
1: She has a, a twitch channel. It might be Jo Panda. I don't remember, check her out, but um, yeah, check her out on Instagram. Um, question two: what was the scariest thing to ever happen to you or your crew while filming? Oh you've, you've got some stories in this one.
0: I got quite a few. Um, the two that pop in my head right off the bat is I shot when I was really young, like in college, I was an actor in this show called Andersonville. Uh, directed by John Frankenheimer, award winning director, and uh, Jane Fonda and Ted Turner, and a bunch of people. There's a lot of famous people you could look it up. But anyway, we were shooting at night. It was an overnight shoot in Georgia in the winter. So, of course, we don't get snow in Georgia, but we get rain. Um, and they had a crane up with the camera on it. It has about three people on it. And uh, they called, you know, they called lunch. And the cam- I don't know if it was a camera opera or the AC. But he got so excited, he took his safety harness off, oh, and shit. as the uh, and this is over Georgia Pine, so this is like at least 50 feet in the air. Mm. And as it's coming out, he just face planted from about 50 feet up, Fuck. and they had they cut the shooting and airlifted him out, and I am I, sure he died because of his injuries. He may not have died there. Right. So that was very harrowing and scary, and, and my first real experience with death on a set, or at least as close to death as you could get on a set. Uh my first experience. Um it's it's a horrible thing. Um and then actually Raul Julia died during that and he was a good friend of Frankenheimer, so we shut mm-hmm. down shooting for that too. So it was a kind of sombre mood. in the whole thing. Sure. The second thing that happened to me personally, um, which no one got hurt, but we were shooting in India, and I don't know if any of you have shot in India but or heard of it, but it's let's just say safety is not first in <laughs> India. It's <laughs> probably th- closer to like ninth or tenth.
1: Yeah, they throw numbers at you know, people at at problems
0: yeah so we had a giant lighting setup that had at least i don't know maybe six 24k lights on this ufo looking setup on a giant crane like a construction crane way up in the air like i don't know 100 feet as far as extended as this construction industrial crane could go and we're all lining up the next shot again it's in the middle of the morning these things happen a lot in the middle of the morning it's like 2 a.m and uh we just we just hear this and the whole ground jumps up like, like an earthquake, like it literally the ground jumps like a foot and it was like, oh fuck, that's not good. And we go around and sure enough, what it, what had happened was the, the operator wasn't there, the crane operator, and his son was there, oh, and, shit. but his son didn't know how to work the crane. So rather than lose the day's pay, the son said, yeah, yeah, I could do it. And he hit the switch that instead of bringing it down, it brought it down.
1: Don't say you can fly a 747 <laughs> exactly if you're only a Cessna driver and or if you're I throwing was, paper airplanes. Exactly.
0: And it left a fucking crater in the ground when it hit. Sure. That's how big it was. You, you can ask my buddy, Lee Whitaker, stunt guy. He was there. Me, also you know, a filmmaker. Uh, yeah, a great filmmaker. And him and I were standing right next to each other when it happened. Um, so those are two. There's probably... There's several others, but those that shit happens man yeah
1: sometimes it drives home yeah You know that for a filmmaker, that can be one of the scariest things, and and you know. I mean, it's and
0: I mean, in our business too, it's a it's a it's a risk management business. I mean, you see some of the stuff on screen, right? Blowing up buildings and flipping cars and flying helicopters into buildings and stuff like that. And that's the big stuff. That's not just
1: like the small grindy stuff, like (laughs) working fifteen hours. (laughs)
0: Right. Right. Exactly. So it there there are dangers uh, inherently, and it's one of those things where like I feel like filmmakers. Cause I know, like every once in a while, you hear about a stunt uh, person dying on a big movie, and it's like really hush hush. And it's like it's like firemen or policemen, or pe- people. I shouldn't say policemen, police officers or firefighters. They they don't want to talk about their homie dying because it's just taboo. And sure. It's like it brings everybody down, and they know it's a risk. Or soldiers even, but it happens. And filmmaking is no different. Luckily on most sets we have stuff in place and, we, right. and we're always we always try to be the safest no matter what but you
1: know right stuff happens, Unfor- unfortunately so many variables that come your way project to project yeah that if you um if a lifestyle spent dodging bullets metaphorically speaking isn't for you <laughs> yeah then there's 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 other ways to make a living and still enjoy cinema. And still enjoy the, the labor of what people yeah. people do.
0: Yeah. Don't be ashamed if it's not for you. Um, but if it is for you, welcome to the club. Welcome I
1: mean, to the that's club. That's all I can say. <laughs> there it is. Uh, and with that, um, we're going to try to get some rest. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start shooting tomorrow for the next five days. Um, visit our Instagram at Grindhouse. That's house spelled H-A-U-S on instagram i will be posting some behind the scenes photos that are allowed but so follow that and let us know what you like um, feel free to, to send us future questions either to myself to matt or if we have jude back and uh for myself and for jude i want to say thank you guys for this thing and we're out
0: yeah thanks so much man. You've been listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the You Don't Know Shit About Shit Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher and wherever all fine podcasts can be found.